Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good afternoon. This is Chickie Fitzgerald with the Executive Girlfriends Group. It is Friday, April 13, 2012, and our guest today is Barbara Corcoran, one of the five sharks on ABC's hit TV show, Shark Tank. And Barbara is also the author of a book, Shark Tales, which we're going to talk about today. The tagline on that book is How I Turned $1,000 into a Billion-Dollar Business. She also penned the unlikely business book, If You Don't Have Big Breasts, Put Ribbons on Your Pigtails. Barbara, it is a personal thrill to have you as our guest today, and I know that our listeners are excited to meet you. Welcome. Thank you, Chickie, very much for having me. Yes, and uh, with a name like Chicky, uh, people generally remember me. And I, one of my favorite stories from the book, and, and I'm going to get into some of the other things, was the, where you wrote your name on the wall in your neighborhood. And uh, I would love to hear and got in trouble by the way. I, I do remember that as well. But uh, you have certainly written your name all over New York City since then. So why don't we just? Uh, Share that little story with us, and then we'll we'll dive in. You're talking about the writing the name on the wall as a kid. Yes, is that what you? Yes, of course. Well, of course, uh, we had a very tiny town. It was two blocks wide and one mile long, so everyone knew everyone. But I was amazed one day. I was probably about maybe nine, ten, or so, uh, to see that my neighbor had totally resurfaced her small retaining wall, which is about two feet tall, that surrounded her property. Beautiful new cement. So I found myself a good stick, and I put as big as I could, top to bottom. Barbara Corcoran, <laughs> thinking this is the greatest. It was like just like you know making mud pies in a way. Yeah, and I went home so happy. My mom. <laughs> but of course, I got caught because I was stupid enough to write my name. And my mother, of course, made me her slave for the entire summer. I had to do everything this woman wanted. I think the woman felt guilty the whole summer, and of course my parents had to resurface the wall. So it wasn't a happy memory, but I remember the thrill of leaving that work of art thing and yeah, doesn't that look good? <laughs> well, Barbara, you and I thought of that story. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean no, to interrupt you. Yeah, I was going to say I did think of that story story very often growing my business, and you would think I would have learned the the hard lesson that you don't write your name on the wall. But I found in a town like New York City, unless you had the chutzpah to do that, every opportunity you could, no one even noticed you. And so I became very, very good at making sure my name was in the press. And so my grown-up version of uh, that infraction, of course, was publishing reports that would constantly get me in the press statistical reports so that if anyone was writing anything about real estate in New York City, I always had the stats if they needed an average price or how much things were up or down. And so I churned out those reports remarkably for 25 years, and I really never read a press story about real estate where I wasn't quoted. And it was simply because I knew how to really create a big brand by making a lot of noise. Exactly, and you have carried that over into your presence, which is uh, undeniable, not only because you're the uh, only woman uh, when when Lori's not on the show, 
but ABC Shark Tank describes you as a fiery real estate mogul, a powerful self-made woman, which clearly the book describes the part about being self-made. But to millions of viewers, that's the only Barbara that they know. So my, my first real question to you this morning is, how accurately are you portrayed on Shark Tank? For those who haven't read the book yet, and again, I want to dive into that side of the Barbara Corcoran that I feel that I now know. So is that the real Barbara Corcoran? You know, you have to appreciate that uh, the editor is in charge of what comes across on TV, and certainly who they need for that job is a really tough-ass businesswoman. And so that's who I try to portray. Of course, it's hard to hide your heart when you leave with your heart, and I always have. And it's hard to uh, hyper-focus on numbers when you lead with your instinct, which I always have. And usually that's people instinct more than number instinct. And so I try to uh, be a little bit tougher than I really am in life because the show needs it. But the truth is I'm I'm really a pushover. And the only reason I've been successful is not because I'm a hard-ass businesswoman, but because I work like crazy at whatever I pursue. And I make sure I surround myself with amazing people. Uh, And when you have those two pieces, it's really hard not to succeed. And so um, yes and no in answer to your question. I'm not trying to couch it at all, but I am a little tougher than I think I really am in real life. Well, Barbara, I am a serial entrepreneur myself, and I've raised millions in the past. And I have to tell you that before I read your book, all I could think of was that – what it would be like standing in front of you, Kevin, Robert, Damon, and, and Mark, to raise <laughs> you that money. No I, I was fortunate enough to raise from an, uh, a single angel here in Tampa. And, you know, the How word here comes to my mind. <laughs> oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> but after I read Shark Tales, I was spellbound by your storytelling really? ability. My and gosh. I saw you, you in so a much. completely different light. So my next question is, do you think there's a correlation between your storytelling ability and your amazing success in business? Well, you know, uh, if you could speak plain, I think it gives you um, a terrific calling card in business. And the plainest way to speak, if you want people to remember what you said, is to put it in the context of a story. So I know certainly by trying to motivate all the salespeople that worked for me over the years, how I work with my entrepreneur partners that I have invested in on Shark Tank, I always try to tell a parallel story. You know, this reminds me of when. Now, it kind of sounds like an old lady thing. I remember when, but I'm not doing it for that purpose. I did it when I was 23, told a story. When I was a kid, because there's always a parallel. And if you could put something in a parable, people really do remember it and get it. And so I just think storytelling is nothing more than talking simple. And if you could talk simple in business, you know what you get for that? You get empathy, you get people on your side, and you also, by the way, get people willing to follow you because they get it and they don't feel like you're trying to be somebody important. It's a great equalizer, storytelling. Kids like it, adults like it, moviegoers like it. People love stories. And so I like to try to tell stories. And also just just for the sheer entertainment of entertaining myself, reliving something that happened so exciting. I like it. It wasn't that exciting. So I'm always walking through the door in the morning, whatever my morning TV work is behind me, and right with my staff, I'm well, guess what happened to me this morning? And so we have our storytelling every single morning of the week. Oh, I love that. And it's one of the things I, I've been actually since the spectacular failure of my last major venture. I've been working at home for the last couple of years, and I so miss 
that camaraderie that allows you to, oh. you know, interact with others. Um, oh, but it's a joy, uh, as I mentioned, Barbara, a joy of work, the, I think. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, you know, the book does tell your story from a very different lens than we see on Shark Tales. And, and I so enjoyed your candor uh, because you told your story, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And oh, sure. you did weave in these lessons uh, for the would-be entrepreneur or somebody who is already in a business who needs to grow it. And the first part of the book uh, shares the 24 lessons from your amazing mother. And uh, mm-hmm. the second part focuses on 14 lessons from the Shark Tank. And my listeners know that I love it when a book is not only entertaining but intensely practical. So can yes. you just pick one of your favorite stories that demonstrates the profound impact that your mother had on you and how she shaped your business perspectives and ethics that we see every well, single week on Shark Tank? Well, certainly there are so many there. Is there one that's your favorite because I could address it in that way? Because I like them all, obviously. I wrote them all. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, again, a lot of times I will share with our listeners the titles of the chapters. And and maybe since I led with the teaser about the title of your other book, let's start Mm -hmm. with less than number one. If you don't have big breasts, put ribbons on your That's always a good place to start with number one, isn't it? It never fails. Well, I was I was working as a waitress at the Fort Lee Diner, which was the town up on the cliff behind our little Edgewater, and there were two counters there, and I was working one counter, and I had another waitress working the other. The other waitress had probably three times as many customers always sitting at her counter than I had at mine, and the reason being she had a gimmick. She would balance two coffee cups on top of each other in each hand and two more on each of her breasts because she had a breast that was like a shoebox. And I think these were before the days when you could do anything if you had small breasts about it. So she was the Fort Lee sensation, and men would stand on the concrete steps and wait for an hour just to sit at her counter because they loved watching her, and who wouldn't? Even I had to take a peek all the time. Right. But I had been complaining to my mother only the night before, and I remember that scene because she was hanging the eighth load of wash or whatever for the day on the clothesline, and I was complaining how the diner manager, Nick, wasn't there. He should make people sit at... And my mother just cut me short, and she said, listen, Barbara, why don't you maybe just tie some pig, uh, some some red ribbons on your pigtails and just stay as sweet as you are? And she dismissed me. Well, I thought that was a stupid idea. But I did braid up my blonde hair, and I put red ribbons, which matched my little red turtleneck and black pinafore that was part of our costume for the diner. And luck would have it, that was the night that Ramon Simone, with an accent on both words, walked into the diner and asked to sit at my counter. If I hadn't had those pigtails, he would have been a glorious counter like everybody else had been for the (laughs) whole year I had been already working there. But he sat at my counter, offered me a ride home, and met my family, and he became my boyfriend. Within six months, he also became my business partner because he said, a smart girl like you, you've got a great personality. You do great in real estate sales. And so I quit my job and started a real estate company with absolutely no knowledge of what was in front of me. And I had the tremendous power of being dumb and naive. And let me tell you, that gets you to a lot of places. Like the kid that jumps off the cliff and doesn't even look down because he's never, ever done a belly flop, you know, that kind of thing. So I just jumped off that cliff because Ray told me I'd be good. And he loaned me the $1,000 to start the business. He took 51% of the business. As he explained, he was the one risking the money. I took 49% of the business, and we started that little company together. So well, it, one, it's you know, the lesson there is you've got to have a gimmick. And my mother was the one that gave me the first gimmick in business. I don't think she intentionally did it, but it sure 
turned my good fortunes that one night at the diner. Absolutely. Well, she gave you a lot of things that ended up being parlayed in into your business wisdom. And in the book, you did introduce us to that young uh, young woman and who ended up being jilted by her partner. And again, very far removed. You mean the young woman the, being me being jilted by my partner? You. Of course, yes. she ran off and married my secretary seven years yes. later. But you want to yes. know what was great about that? On the way out the door, he said to me, "You know, you'll never." Succeed without me, and the reason he was was damning me is because I had lived for a year and a half working for him and his new wife, who was my secretary, only a year and a half earlier. And so one day I just decided I can't do this anymore. I've got to end this partnership. And when I ended it, he was upset, and that's when he said I'd never succeed without him. And you know what? I knew I'd rather die than let him watch me not succeed. And he gave me an insurance policy for life. There was no way. I was going to let that business sink. And in the worst of times, I would think of that and get motivated all again and think of one more thing to stay in business. It it couldn't have been a better thing for my personality. And I love that part of the story. And, and you know, when we think about uh, what happens on Shark Tank, and, and one of the things I love about the show is that it does go back to the previous years, not only of those that you guys have funded, and I love how you have the individual stories of those companies that you've personally funded with your money on your website, but they also bring back the people who were told, you know, I'm out by all five of you. And mm. and that they do come back and, and, you know, even being turned down, they still are fortified, uh, you know, with that message. So the other oh, piece definitely. of the story that I loved, the one that you just told, was mm-hmm. you stepping out into your brand new office space, which wasn't it in the same building where they were? Oh, it's uh, better than that. It was three floors higher than my old business partner. That was an ego trip. Like, whoa, and the market had failed in the five years we had that lease. It was a tough market. So it was also 30% cheaper, higher floor, better views, and a cheaper price. I thought, this is a good sign. (laughs) I'm a little vindictive. (laughs) Well, that can work to your favor. (laughs) Yep, yep. (laughs) But the other thing, uh, as you were telling that story, and again, your storytelling, you just feel like you're right there. And you were describing, (laughs) uh, I remember not having enough room, actually, for the number of people that were coming in and wanting to work for you. And so you had to rearrange the office and move the desks around. Um, But the other thing you talked about in that that chapter was about, uh, you, you told your story about how organized a thinker mm. you are, and organizing code yes. folders and cards. Yes. And I just recently read uh, an article, and, and again, it may have been written last fall, I don't know, but about mm. how important you know, being organized and, and keeping oh your gosh. life uh, uh, organized, and you turn your phone on at 6.30 in the morning, and you turn it off at 6.30 at night. Talk to us a little mm. bit about life balance. Well, A, I gave up uh, a long time ago on the theory that you could have balance. And if you're a mom and you have a family, let me tell you, you got to give up that theory as quick as you can mm-hmm. because it's just an exercise in frustration, wishing and hoping, and it makes you too tough on yourself. The fact of the matter is, is if you're a working mom, particularly if you have a responsible job where you're responsible for other people as though you're a mom at the office, particularly if you're an entrepreneur responsible for a whole business, and then on top of that, you have a family unit that you're the mom for, it's impossible to feel as though you're good at both. So I gave up on that, and that took a lot of self-pressure. It just, boom, it was a relief to not have to be the 150% mom at home and the 150% mom at the office. 
So all I've been able to do, and I'm organized, and I give things a lot of thought because I like to get smarter and not make the same mistakes again and again. So I revisit and revisit. I'm always looking for a system in anything. And you know what I've Mm -hmm. come up with is to build ironclad walls between the departments of your life. So one department is I'm a mom. And when I'm a mom, I'm not thinking about business. I mean, I will think about it. It's not honestly right. true. But I'm not doing anything to encourage the thought, like reading emails, wondering if somebody sent me something. Da, da, da. I build that wall. The phone goes away. If I'm in the park with my six-year-old, every mom there, if there's an emergency, has a cell phone. How do I know? They're all on it while their kids are right. playing. I'm watching my kid and enjoying the heck out of everything she's doing and playing with her. And not always, because sometimes I'm too exhausted. I'm not a young mom. But the fact is, I'm not on my phone taking care of all this stuff. And then when I'm at work, God forbid anything happens to my kids, they'd probably have to send maybe the police in to interrupt my workflow. Because unless it's an emergency, a real emergency, nobody would dare call me, because they know I've got to focus on my work. And so I have found that by compartmentalizing your life, you have your best shot at satisfaction. Because what do you get satisfaction from? It's when you're totally in the moment. And in this crazy world, we're all trying to manage so many pieces. Being in the moment is so tough. So at least Mm -hmm. you can chop it up into compartments. And that's what I do. I really wish I could have two people where I pull out the other person out of my closet when it's home time and then pull out the other mini-me when it's time to go to work. But as I can't figure that one out, I'm just putting iron walls between the pieces of my life that I really enjoy. And you want to know something? One great thing I learned as a young businesswoman that I can't even imagine what an empty life I would have had without it was the day I decided that if I'm going to be working 24-7 and killing myself, I'm going to take my calendar out every January 1, and I'm going to cross out weeks in my calendar for vacation times. And for my entire life, I've crossed out the sixth week of every, like six weeks, cross out a week. Another six weeks, cross out a week. And you know what Mm -hmm. that guarantees me? A lot of vacations. And even when I didn't have the money to go anywhere, I had the time put aside. And you know what I found? I found that life rallies around that. And everything happens better because there's always a fence and a deadline. And so I had these great vacations. No one would dare call me. Even when I had a 1,000 people working for me and tremendous financial responsibility, no one would dare call me on a vacation because they knew, hey, figure it out yourself. And you know, by figuring it out yourself, I grew great maturity in my sales managers, my financial mm-hmm. managers. They had to decide. I give you total authority to decide for me. Here's my signature, but don't call me. And you want to know something? I built a very mature business that way, and I had a lot of fun all along the way on my vacations. Well, I love that. And if there's one thing I'm going to take away from this call, it is that. And, Barbara, I have to admit that when my producer first brought me the idea of interviewing you, I found myself right back to my fundraising days, uh, and, and that care <laughs> kind of came in. And, and now, if there was anybody I wanted to share my ideas with, I can't think of anybody better than you uh, to help me grow <laughs> my venture into a billion-dollar business. And I'm not I'm looking I'm not worried money. about you. You sound very capable to me. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I'll tell you what. You can be certain that I am going to apply both your mom's lessons and those from the Shark Tank uh, to my venture. Well, you don't have to worry about my Shark Tank lessons. Just listen to my mom. She's a smarter businesswoman than all of us put together. (laughs) Well, uh, I'll tell you what. From the lessons I read in this book, and and for those who have not 
picked up Barbara's uh, book. It is called Shark Tales, How I Turned a $1,000 into a Billion-Dollar Business. And I promise you uh, that you need to set aside time because when you pick this book up, you will not want to put it down. And if you are an entrepreneur, please read it with a highlighter because this isn't just a, a very, very entertaining book. There are some nuggets in here that are absolutely amazing and, uh, again, easy to apply. And uh, Barbara's life story is just uh, really, really entertaining. And, uh, Barbara, I just commend you for everything you've done. Uh, you know, I, oh, I definitely so am a, an aficionado of the show, and I, I'm uh, frustrated well, when it isn't. Keep watching the, Friday nights. Come on, oh, keep absolutely. watching. Absolutely, and uh, we <laughs> look forward to uh, to hearing more. Uh, you know, I wish we had more time to hear about some of the entrepreneurs that you've helped because uh, I know that before they walked onto that stage, uh, many of them felt helpless, like they they would never get things off the ground, and that you've you've given them their dreams and not to. Oh, no, they've done it themselves. Believe me, Mm-mm. they've done it themselves. You can't ever have anybody build your business for you. That's the truth. Absolutely. Well, Barbara, thank you so so much for your time, and uh, I just wish you all the best and and uh, just blessings uh, to follow everything that you do. Thank you so much, Shiki, and I return those blessings back back your way. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so, so much. Ciao. You take care. Okay. For more information about the Executive Girlfriends Group, you can go to www.executivegirlfriendsgroup.com. And at this time, I am going to uh, terminate the recorded portion of this call so that we can chat amongst our members. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.